welcome to Harmony in Health. This is the first in a series of podcasts exploring the idea of harmony, and in particular, how it relates to health, well-being, and the self. In today's session, we are going to introduce some principles of harmony with our guest, who will be in conversation with our team member, Julia. My name is Julia Outlaw, and I'm a member of the Harmony in Health team. And we are together exploring this concept of harmony and how we can bring together ancient wisdom and modern disciplines to promote development and well-being. Today, I am delighted to welcome Richard Dunn. I nearly said Sir Richard Dunn, maybe maybe soon. Um, he is a leader in the field of education and he's been a head teacher for many years and is an environmentalist. And he is the head of Harmony in Education, which we're gonna hear about today. And I think it's fair to say he's got quite a passionate belief that children need to be equipped to deal with the world. And he talks about an education revolution, which is inspired by nature. And he's developed top-down curriculums for schools based on the Harmony principle. Um, and involved in many other projects to do with harmony and nature. So we're really happy to have you here, Richard. Welcome. So, I mean, thinking about harmony, harmonious, I think people would agree it's not really the most harmonious time right now. What's your sense of harmony right now? I think you are absolutely right. We are not living in a very harmonious time at all right now Uh, and in fact quite the opposite we're seeing socially and environmentally across the world this this real breakdown in anything that we would see as resembling harmony and and harmonious coexistence I think a lot of it is probably because we have really disconnected from this deep understanding of our relationship not just with one another but our relationship with the natural world of which we are part. And we've created a lot of practices and systems that go against this understanding of harmony and principles of harmony or laws of nature at work. So we've we've lost this, this understanding that often can be associated with great traditions, religions, cultures, indigenous peoples. And we've developed a way of working which is not, in many respects, is not at all respectful of how to live well and in balance and in right relationship with with the wider world. Okay, so for you, it sounds like harmony is something about connecting with the world and nature and that that's not happening at the moment. Yeah, I think there's a lack of understanding of, <clears throat> and we've, you know, we've probably all got a sense of that. I mean, I, I'm not sure that I really understood this idea of harmony and principles of harmony before I read the book Harmony by the Prince of Wales. And no, so- and tell us what, what do you, what, how would you define that now? What, what, what do you think harmony is? Well, when I read the book. I was on a flight to India 
And this book is, tell us about this book, Richard, because yeah, this, so is this is Prince Charles's book. book. That's right. This is the book, Harmony, A New Way of Looking at the World by the Prince of Wales, which he wrote mm. probably 10 years ago now. And I, I started reading it and I thought, gosh, this just makes so much sense. This is how things are. This is how we therefore should try and work and live and be if we are to um, to connect in the right way to to the world around us. And it fascinating book. It is a fascinating book. And I think the prince has tracked the history of civilizations over a long period of time and identified how in all respects they have understood the importance of appreciating the awe and wonder of the natural world and living in a, in a balanced relationship with it living living well within its its carrying capacity and of course what we've done now is we've we've almost had an arrogance and a disregard therefore of how we need to be and how we need to live to to live within limits because mm. the world for all its abundance also has a sense of limit it's not endless there's no endless growth in nature uh, it has times of growth and times of dieback and all the seasonality elements that we would we would understand so it's there's a great no, in that book, there's a lot about the application to um farming and agriculture but also to architecture and other things like health and I mean, obviously the area you're really interested in in terms of education in its broadest sense tell us yeah. about harmony in education <clears throat> well i mean just just leading into that i mean if you take farming we have traditionally known how to farm in in harmony with nature and extraordinarily after the second world war we created what was called a green revolution but it wasn't green as we would understand it today it was actually a very ultimately we can see that it's become a very destructive way of farming using nitrogen fixing fertilizers which were the explosives that were and the materials for explosives in the second world war we put them in the soil to grow food in monoculture systems that then sprayed crops and destroyed nature and destroyed biodiversity and no wonder now we have very high levels of degradation in our soils in our water systems in our air in our landscapes because we've used a system now for what 70 years that has been incredibly damaging and degrading of natural systems so people of course now are talking about the need to go back to or to remind ourselves of the importance of regenerative systems organic systems systems that are rotational and work like nature does in cycles mm. that this is what we need to do so in terms of education i think it's about helping children young people but to be honest anyone to see how these principles work and then to reflect on and to consider so what does that mean for my world my work my life just my interrupting there Richard these principles tell us briefly what they are well there are probably many many principles of harmony <laughs> I have drawn out seven and those seven feel helpful 
but they are not limited and they are not the principles of harmony. It's really important to stress that. And some people might say, but you've forgotten about this or what do you think about that? And that's absolutely fine. Uh, a lot of this work is around an exploration and an investigation. It's not about a set in stone philosophy. The principles that I've identified are interdependence and seeing how everything is in relationship one to the other, this idea of interconnection and relationship. And what does that mean for us in terms of how we learn, for example, in education, either siloed learning or joined up making sense learning. The other, the next principle is the principle of the cycle. What I was referencing earlier, this idea of nature working through cycles, endless cycles, and what that means for a sustainable way of living, recycling things, feeding things back in, creating uh, healthy systems ultimately. Mm. The third principle is the principle of diversity. And seeing diversity as a good thing and something to value and promote and celebrate. So all of us in this conversation are all different. And that's something that enriches and enhances what we can do together. So when we appreciate diversity in each other and in the world, the biodiversity of nature, then we're more likely to want to do something to promote it and preserve it. The fourth principle is adaptation. So we see nature constantly adapting and changing and finding its place and working in its place. So my sense is we still have a huge amount to learn from how nature's brilliant adaptations enable it to work well. But I think it's also relevant in terms of this idea of adaptation to, to now, to where we are, to where we go next, the future. What's our future going to look like? What are we going to need to do differently? So adaptation feels really important, particularly to a local context. Yes. The next principle in education now, given, well, the climate crisis and pandemics and everything else, how do we help our children adapt? Exactly. And I think a lot of education is out there. It's sort of stuff that's from another world. I mean, children learning about the Stone Age, or the Neolithic time, it's fine to an extent. Mm. But I do wonder whether if we spend too much time on that kind of learning, we don't give enough time to saying, okay, but what is that? What is its relevance to now and where we go next? As you might know, there's an organization called Teach the Future. And that's student led. And they're saying, you are not teaching us about the future that we're going to inherit. And we want a different way of learning, which interestingly they're saying should be interdisciplinary and future looking. So yeah, so adaptation links into that very well. The other three, the final three are health and seeing that nature is an inherently healthy system or systems at work. And what what does that mean for us? When are we most healthy? I think it's a really interesting question to ask our children and our students, when are you happiest? most healthy in your learning and probably it would be quite different from a lot of the ways in which they are taught yes so just being open to the importance of health some countries now of course are looking at health as their indicator of success if you like and that feels like a really positive change the next one is geometry which is interesting so geometry is 
an understanding of the patterns and order of life, the sacred patterns of nature that are in micro and macro form. And also interestingly, I think from, a, from an understanding point of view, we see them out in the world, these patterns, but we also see them in us. So it's a really connecting principle. It makes us realize that we're not apart from this natural world. We are it. And when we understand that, we see things differently. We understand things from a different perspective. And the final principle is this principle of oneness that all these principles I've highlighted are, are actually ultimately all one and the same. They're all part of the same whole. But there's also this other dimension of a more spiritual side to harmony, the beingness of life. And so you can then look at it through a religious context, if that's your background or tradition. You can look at it through an understanding of, of being a human being and the spiritual dimension of that. And you can look at it in terms of this idea of wholeness, one world, one, one universe, and um, understanding things through that that lens they're so rich aren't they i mean you can see the applications of these to principles to all sorts of things but i mean with education you've already mentioned a few in terms of having something that's multidisciplinary and um future looking and ad adaptive as we talked about um but how how does this work in practice then because i know you've introduced these principles into schools mm. what do the children and staff kind of do I think it's really important to say that the, the work of harmony and, the, and this approach is not about doing more. In many respects, it's about doing less and really thinking about what's the intention of this learning. Mm. So still, a lot of learning is, is separated out. It's fragmented into subject areas. And often the process of planning a curriculum is to take the different subject areas and just sit them into a a planning document whereas if you go from the other perspective which is let's think about this inquiry of learning we're looking at let's think about the principle of harmony that connects to it or principles if you want to do more than one and then let's feed in our learning from different subject areas into that theme now of course if you've got things like maths and english you have specific skills that you need to secure and develop and so you may have set time to do that. But ultimately, the work, so genres of writing, feed into the inquiry, feed into the story of the learning. And I think importantly, and again, if you look at nature, nature is very purposeful. It's, it's, it's working towards a purposeful outcome. Mm. And that feels really important to all of us, that when we feel we have a sense of purpose in what we're doing we're generally much happier yes and how to give purpose to children yeah and I think a lot of children will ask the question why am I doing this what's this for we've all had that asked to us I'm sure yes. yesterday and my <laughs> five-year-old why do I have to learn this <laughs> and it's a really good question to ask because some I mean you know there are some basics that we just have to learn that, you know, like learning your tables, it's just mm. a skill that's useful in your life. But so there's uh, a structure of the curriculum then, and kind of how you put things around topics. But then, what about the actual activities that people are doing or the structure of the day? 
how does that contribute? Well, I think it's important that people adapt it to their own context. So this is not an approach which is didactic in any way. It, it, it's a framework, it's a guide, it's a way of informing how learning can be. And of course, what we've done is develop exemplar material to show people how it can look. And we'll continue to do that. But ultimately, it's important that it's owned by the people who are delivering it. So I wouldn't argue with someone who said, well, we're going to do maths and English in the morning because that's what we need to do in our school. But in the afternoon, we're going to be more thematic around our project. Mm. And that probably makes a lot of sense for a lot of schools. Mm. But there are opportunities to be flexible with it. I think the key is that, I mean, we call them in our in the program, we call them great works. This idea that we're working towards something at the end of each half term, which will be a celebration of an aspect of what we've done. So children know that they're gonna perform something, present something, share something, exhibit, recite. Uh, and that's really good for them. So there's, I mean, I would almost argue that alongside assessments, which we're never going to get rid of and they have a value, but actually if children saw the outcomes of their work as being these great works, they would have a much stronger sense of their own worth through doing that. Yes. So, so yeah, really purposeful learning, but the process. Because there's obviously limits on resources and space and, um, you know, things like you say that they have to teach. But I guess getting outside is a big thing. I remember hearing you talk about the children going to look after the bees. and Yeah, lots of it. It almost feels like it, there needs to be a, a punctuation throughout the story, if you like, of the learning, where at certain points you punctuate the learning with experiences and an outdoor learning and nature connected learning and so on that gives them a real sense of the meaning of what they're doing. It makes it relevant. So anything like beekeeping, like, you know, we've done carving of ice sculptures linked to Antarctica and climate change, and then seeing the ice melt and using seasonal foods to create seasonal soups, as Eleni was highlighting in the presentation last week, and in summer creating salads and sharing them and all that kind of thing. growing food. What an amazing thing to do. Having conquer days and sharing, you know, conquer games with each other, which is a, a kind of a reference point for what's happening in autumn. Those kind of elements will be the things that children will remember. And they'll be the things that will enrich their learning experience. And I think probably right now we have a genuine concern that for understandable reasons, a lot of children are in the classroom reinforcing the core skills and in some respects are not getting enough of that connecting learning yes and connecting kind of with different parts of themselves as well i know that's what a lot of us are interested in here in terms of the balanced development of people and how to be harmonious in yourself um i mean thinking of teachers even if they're more embodied or more connected with themselves calmer then the pupils will learn better. What's your view about harmony in the self? Well, it's probably the starting point, isn't it? 
that if we can find a sense of harmony and balance and well-being in ourselves, then we will project that out into the world. And hopefully if we engage other, with others in the same way, around the same exercises, activities that in, enable that to be more prevalent, uh, that's going to be a good thing. So it's, I don't know, but I would sense that it's probably something that some people are giving a lot of time to and others are maybe not fully tuned into. And it's definitely an area that we can do more on. In fact, I was speaking to someone last night who is doing a big study in Greater Manchester on well-being of students and staff. Mm -hmm. It's a citywide survey. But they're really interested to get a sense of what helps teachers as much as students to be well. And it's certainly something that we should be exploring more, which is, I think, where our conversations together are, are, are so interesting. And, you know, one of the sadnesses right now is that children aren't allowed to sing in school. Yes. And yet singing is such a harmonious thing to do and such a joyful thing to do. And it feels like, you know, we we need to think very carefully about what we can do to ensure that the elements of singing of movement of breathing of eating well all these things are central to the education experience yes it's fascinating Richard I wish we could talk all day about it um I think I mean just before we finish you've involved in lots of other projects as well yes what I think we are realizing is that whilst my background has been very much focused around primary education and those formative early years, the work has relevance for everyone because wherever we are on our journey, we can learn something from this. And as you highlighted earlier on in our conversation, there's so much that we can learn and understand. We could meditate on these principles and others for a long time and keep finding new new ways of understanding them and interpreting them. So the work is now pushing out, I suppose, into, into other areas. I'm doing some really interesting work with prisons. Wow. With residents, as they're called, on how nature can help them to learn in a different way, in a way that's actually quite non-threatening for them. Mm-hmm. And hopefully doesn't remind them too much of their own education experiences, which might not have been very positive. So, you know, that kind of context is really interesting. Um, working with people like the Eden Project, who have a very big international dimension to their work. And also working overseas. So starting to make links with other organizations. I mean, I'm doing a project at the moment with, the, with a US curriculum online facility. And all their learning is separate. They have lesson plans on just about everything and anything you can think of for education in the States and indeed others, other places. But it's not joined up at all. So we're starting to look at how they could reframe their offer in a much more joined up way. Around climate change is the first one, which is very interesting. Yes. Well, thank you, Richard. There's so many directions it can go in. And I mean, if people are interested and want to follow up, they can look at the Harmony Project website and Harmony in Education. 
Yeah, the Harmony Project website is at the moment the best place to go to. We are nearly finished with a new website, which is a website much more focused around resources. And that will be ready within the next two weeks. So once that's available, then we can certainly share it through this network and people can see what's on offer. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, there's still lots to do, but it feels like it's uh, it's got a good momentum now. And I think that's important with anything, isn't it? Good. It has a sense of momentum and direction yes. uh, and openness. I mean, I'm always surprised by what might come next and uh, what does come next. And, you know, there's... There's a sense that being open to the opportunities and the uh, the ways in which this can further grow is is a good thing. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Richard, for sharing with us today. And um, come back again soon. Will do. <laughs> I know. Thank you, Richard Dunn from the Harmony Project and Julia Outlaw from Harmony in Health. You can find out more about us on our website, harmonyinhealth.org, where you will find details of the various workshops we have done over the past year, including some free-to-view videos of these events. You can find out more about Harmony in Education and some of the other things Richard was talking about today on theharmonyproject.org.uk. In our next podcast, we will hear from some of our team members talking about what harmony means to them. Mm-hmm.